Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is I Need No Name, and the first time in a very long time, I am joined by Schnitzel. So, hello, Schnitzel. How are you doing? Yeah, it's been a while. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, I've missed doing podcasts. I've been quite busy because I have been in a new country for the past two months and a half. So I'm currently based in Denmark, Copenhagen. And uh, yes, it's exciting because Bayern was here just last week. And I was actually able to sneak into the stadium for the game. So, you know, I was actually gifted the ticket. So that's even better. And it was really nice uh, watching Copenhagen play so well against a really poor Bayern side. And otherwise... I think, uh, yeah, it's been busy, which is why I couldn't join the previous few podcasts. But I'm happy that I'm here now. That sounds nice. Sounds nice that you actually got to watch Bayern Munich in person, especially what I thought was the atmosphere was amazing in that game. The Bayern Munich fans, the flares and oh boy, the pyro. That was that was quite something to watch on TV. Was it was that as good in real life? So I have been to a couple of uh, FC Copenhagen games before the Bayern game. And usually the Copenhagen ultras are so loud that they can instill fear in any fans. It doesn't matter. So they kind of dominate all the regional uh, uh, teams from Denmark and also from uh, the rest of Scandinavia because they're just the loudest fans. But the Bayern fans, you could actually hear them from right opposite the stadium, from the other side. That's how loud they were. and. The fireworks, they actually went on for quite a bit. And I was surprised because they did a really, really good job. And, you know, I wasn't part of the away fan end because it costed more. I was part of the FC Copenhagen, you know, side. So I was kind of not really <laughs> in the Bayern fan end of the of the pitch. So you could call me a traitor. But at the same time, I guess it was a different experience because the FC Copenhagen fans were super passionate. And honestly... I thought that if Copenhagen won, Tuchel would be gone. So I wasn't like too upset about it either. That makes sense. That makes sense. Honestly, I'm not surprised to hear that Bayern Munich fans were loud because like, I know that Bayern get a lot of stick from people online saying that, oh yeah, the Allianz Arena is full of tourists, etc., etc. But as a tourist who has been to the Allianz Arena, I'm going to say that on Champions League nights, Bayern Munich's soot curve, they are, they genuinely do not let you hear yourself think they are that loud like i was there for the liverpool game which is a game that i know i've said many times before we ended up losing we everyone knows that but the way the ultras spurred on the team in that game that was it'll stay with me forever because they were so loud my dad was next to me i was trying to say something to him and he was trying to say something back we could not even hear each other literally being our faces were five inches away from each other and we could not hear each other speak because the that stadium was that loud. Yeah. And the yeah. and the acoustics of the Allianz Arena, they are made in such a way. I don't know if you've ever been to the Allianz Arena as a fan or as a like on a guided tour or anything, but there's a section. Oh yeah. So did you did you ever go in that section of the stands where they make you like yell goal or tour? Like you can literally hear when, yeah, you can literally hear even if there's just 10 people. Yeah, yeah. it resonates from the other side. So just imagine that, but with 75,000 people, it is exactly absurd. Okay. So Bayern fans, they are, they have my utter respect, especially the ultras because they keep everything alive in the stadium. And it is, oh, obviously I, I have this, just take my hat off to them. What they did at Copenhagen, extremely impressive. 
look great on TV as well. And honestly, that was one of the, I guess, bright spots for me yes. in the game. Other than obviously Thomas Miller saving Tuchel's job because that was a shambolic game till like the 75th minute. I was appalled watching the poor quality yeah. in the performance. And it was a snooze fest from Bayern's side. And I had a couple of friends with me and they know that I'm, I'm, I'm a Bayern fan and I received a lot of flack the entire game for being a Bayern fan. I was made fun of the entire time. I was bullied, basically. And they said that, is this the club you support? Because they're absolutely embarrassing. And I told them that this is supposed to be your one of Europe's best clubs. And they couldn't believe it because they were like, then you should not be having such a difficult time beating FC Copenhagen, who don't really get to feature in the Champions League every season. It happens like once in a while. So I don't know what to say to that. But either way, I think we still managed to win somehow by some tell magic and some Thomas Piller charms, which should probably bring us to the first topic of discussion for today, I guess. I have well, something to ask. I thought, I thought we were going to talk about the game first, that is the Freiburg game, and then move on to our first topic. I think we can start with Thomas Miller because that I is kind so, of yeah. what the Freiburg game was about, I guess. It's a summary yeah, of because... the game would be uh, yeah, when Thomas you start Muller. including Thomas Miller in games, uh, especially something Tuchel like, hates doing, I guess. But now that he understands his job is on the line, he's forced to do it, and you can see the effect. I'm not saying that Thomas Miller is the all-powerful god or something. I'm just saying that he is a player who knows what decisions to make up front, which is something that a lot of our players are struggling with right now. And he channels the entire team, and he's a coach on the pitch. He directs everyone. And today we saw that the rest of the attack was more organized than I've ever seen in this season. And I know that it's still not the best sort of football that we've gotten used to seeing in the years, but it is a good start because Muller was doing a really good job. And obviously he got an assist for the first goal. Like that was the best possible start you can expect from a player who has served the club for, I don't even know how many years. Like, is it 15 years now? He started at 18, right? It's been so long that so, I do not know yeah. a Bayern Munich team without I think it's Thomas 15 years. This is probably the 15th, 15th season of Thomas Muller at Bayern. That's how long he's been here. It's incredible. 15, 16, I don't know, probably even 17. <laughs> I have no clue. It's a very long time, though. Anyways, yeah. and you have I just want to say, yeah, I just wanted to say that yeah. thing that people are going to say that Thomas Muller did not necessarily make as much impact on the game since he only had one assist and Coman probably would have scored that goal anyway because it wasn't really an intentional goal. It was more of a mishit cross. But the thing is, when you look at Bayern Munich overall against Freiburg compared to the other games that we've seen this season, what did we see? First of all, we saw a team that was winning the ball back much more often and much more quickly than we have seen before under Thomas Tuchel this season. Second, we saw a much more direct line of attack. We did not see the U-shape football that has plagued this team offensively for the last three or four games. Instead, we saw the center of the box occupied and Freiburg constantly having to fend off attacks from both sides of the pitch, not just one. Now, people are going to say that it's not really down to Thomas Muller. It's just the difference between Freiburg and some of our other opponents. But I'm going to disagree. I'm just going to say that it's very obvious when Thomas Muller is in because you see the entire team completely playing differently. And unless someone is going to make the argument that Tuchel magically learned how to coach in the last 
two, three days since we faced FC Copenhagen, I would say that Muller's influence on the team is still very much alive and well. And that is strongly shown in this game against Freiburg, which I'm going to say was probably, it wasn't the most entertaining game in the sense that we didn't have super large numbers of goals scored and we didn't really just blow Freiburg away, but it was a game of complete dominance because we did not let Freiburg really out of their half, to be honest. It reminded me a lot of some of the performances, some of the bad performances we had under Pep Guardiola. Like Guardiola was often criticized for where we just controlled the game to the point that the opponent were not really just not really allowed to do anything. They did not have the ball. And when they got the ball, they were dispossessed so quickly and forced into a defensive position so deep that it was basically untenable for them to do anything but whether or whatever Bayern Munich threw at them. In that sense, I have to give some compliments to Thomas Tuchel, but a lot of it really does come down to whatever choices he made in the lineup. And it's really that simple. When you have a team this good, this is the bare minimum that you should expect. I still think that there are still some problems that lingered in the game. Definitely wasn't the best of performances. I think it was definitely better than the ones that you've seen in the past few weeks. But like, for example, we had 21 shots, but only six on target. That's yeah, like that's, that's... less. That's 33% or less. That's Yeah, that's less than 33%, which is very bad. And uh, we had 70% possession. So that obviously should translate to control. Like you cannot expect to well, not score goals. Not necessarily. Dominating. You mean 70% possession does not translate to control? Well, it translates to a nominal sense of control, but it doesn't necessarily translate to dominance, if that makes sense to you. Because I would say that for the 70% possession that we had, we weren't just aimlessly passing it around. We were putting pressure on Freiburg and trying to get forward. So I would say that the possession was... But we didn't score as much as we should have, perhaps. But it's not that it was completely useless possession. It was possession with a purpose, if that makes sense. I think I agree with you on that. Yes, I agree with you on that. Uh, And I also think that the team, at least the forward line, did you also see that there there was a lot more link-up play between the players that we have missed in recent weeks? Yes, I would definitely agree with that. Harry Kane was always isolated. Exactly. Yes, he was yes, always Harry in Kane, no man's land. Now, he did get a lot more touches in this game. And he had actually a few chances in the first half, which he did not convert. And he did get the assist for Leroy Sané. So I would say that no matter what, Harry Kane seems to be involved in the goals. It's just a little bit concerning to me how little he does seem to get service overall. Like compared to someone like Robert Lewandowski, Kane is just never... I don't know. He just never seems to be there. He just never seems to be in the place where you want him to be when the goal scoring is happening. I, I, I yeah, it's hard to describe. I think, in, in a way, you know. So two things. First, I think so with Robert Lewandowski, he was uh, elite at like starting the move at build up right in the depth of the midfield, and then sort of drifting through the players right up front to finish the goal, which you've seen very often. With Kane, I believe that. He always has to make a decision between the playmaking and the finishing because at Spurs, he usually used to also play as a deep-lying playmaker for, you know, uh, Son or some other player to move into the spaces. And he is very good at playmaking as well. And I think he can be devastating overall for us if 
the other players decide to use him to his full potential, which means finding him in space, creating space for him by drifting wide to divert the defenders, which is why I feel like maybe Thomas Miller being on the pitch leads to Kane being more involved, if that makes sense. Well, it, obviously, it makes sense. You're like, you're talking to the guy who has been advocating Thomas Muller being on the pitch forever. But it feels like Leori Sane is the only person really taking advantage of what Kane offers on the pitch right now. That's because Coman cannot pass. Well, that is... Coman is very frustrating, isn't he? Like, even he is. even now, he he's how old now? Is he 27, 28, something like that, right? He's been here since... Yes. He's been here since forever. He was nineteen. Yeah, he was nineteen when he first now. came here, and like it feels like he hasn't changed as a player at all. He he just no. He's just stayed completely the same. Him and arguably Gnabry too. They just they're just so frustrating. He scored two goals, and the second goal may or may not have gone down as an own goal. I'm not sure about that, but he effectively scored two goals, and he had a lot of chances. And it's just he you will probably win the man of the match on the basis of just pure stats alone. But if you look at just his performance, it is so frustrating. And he has so many of these performances so often. It just makes you wonder what kind of player is Kingsley Coman. It felt like the most average two-goal performance ever. (laughs) Like, two-goal performances are usually really great. And that would be enough to get a rating of at least 8 out of 10 on most stat websites. But I think this game, he did almost nothing of significance for a large chunk of the game because he kept making poor decisions. I like that he was involved more in the second half and there was a pass to tell that was unfortunately offside, which would have resulted in a goal if the run was a little better. But otherwise, I think he was just on and off the entire game. And aside from the goals, it did not seem that he did anything off of off note. So it's very confusing why it's like this. And it's quite possible that you know, Coman and Gnabry, it's probably we've just seen their peak already. I think that's it. I don't think it gets any better for either player. Yeah, it's... With Sané, it's yeah, different. Yeah, it's different. But with these two, I think we've seen the peak. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Because, like, they're not bad players. And often they can just completely destroy a team on their own. And they have been clutch for us in many big games through the years. Despite that, you can never really say that they are really top top players they are not they are no. not like they're good enough for Bayern Munich but they're not good enough to be the guy for Bayern Munich if that makes any sense like I'm not yeah I'm not a game really, changer yeah. yeah they're not really the they, they can be game changers even but they're not consistent game changers they're not a star like Muller or Lewandowski they're not the guy doing it week in week out they are just the guy doing it every few games or so when they just light it up somehow Otherwise, it's just... They're not the player... Yeah, they're not the player you bet on or you can trust to get us out of a sticky spot. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, someone who we can trust lately, Leroy Sané, like, I I, I just want to put this out there. And I know Siler has said this before, but I'm going to put this out there to you. Do you think, because I'm coming around to this idea, do you think Leroy Sané is the best player in the world right now? Actually, I do not. I think Why he's not? in my top five what, top because five? of Jude Bellingham. Yeah, Jude Bellingham is just scoring goals. Leroy Sané is doing no. Everything Jude Bellingham is currently on, the man. world's best player. Nah, Hands down. man, no. Yes, nah. Jude Bellingham is, is not... Real Madrid's best player. Real so Madrid what? is dominating Madrid... every single game, no, and Jude Bellingham not. is a large reason why he does everything in midfield. 
he carries the ball. He creates chances for his teammates. Every game, mm-hmm. there's an assist and a goal. He is just so much for his opposition to handle. And he has this relentless drive. He decides matches for them all the time. If you remove him from Real Madrid, they will be poor. I can I can tell you that. If you remove Sané from the team, maybe the drop-off in quality won't be that low because you can just slot in Muziala in the same left half-space role. But there is no one in Real Madrid who can give you the same output that Jude Bellingham is giving you right now. This so... season, Leroy Sané is playing to the point where he's keeping Tuchel in a job. I'm going to say that right now. Tuchel would not have a job right now if not for Leroy Sané. He would be out on his... Maybe that's a bad thing. Maybe that's a... Maybe he's prolonging our suffering by doing this. But I would genuinely say the way that Leroy Sané functions in the system is dysfunctional because Real Madrid don't have a dysfunctional system like we do. They are much better at many of the basics that we seem to struggle at. And I have been forced to watch a few Real Madrid games lately because I have night shifts at the hospital lately. And one of the people that I am paired up with in my co-internship is a Real Madrid fan. So he watches La Liga games that time and I have to watch with him because it beats looking at patients at least. But yeah, um, I watch Real Madrid and to be perfectly honest, I get I get why you would say Bellingham, but I don't think Bellingham surpasses Leroy Sané at the moment. Really? Because I, I, I genuinely do. I because believe... Sané is genuinely doing, he's genuinely carrying Bayern Munich on his back at certain points. Like the way he scores goals and the way he sets them up as well. Like even when he's having bad games. Saying... This, is, this is like what Lewandowski used to do a few years back. Like even when he's having bad games, he somehow manages to turn up. This is this is the guy I, that I we were about to pay on... for. You know, yeah. I agree with you on Sane's output. I think he is contributing every single game. And if you remove him off the equation, this team can slump because Tuchel is walking a really thin line here, and we all know that. We know that he is just two individual performances away from getting sacked. That's that that's what he is in right now. He's in a hole that he's stuck up because it doesn't seem like the team is following a specific blueprint. And I understand your point about Real Madrid having a proper system, and that is true. They have a system. And the system is doing well for them. But I think Jude Bellingham, I'm pretty sure when they signed him, they did not expect that he was going to be this immense. I mean, the man is doing everything for the team, right? He is scoring on a consistent basis, which you don't expect from a midfielder. You don't expect a midfielder to be your top goal scorer ahead of all of your attackers. Second, he's also defending really well. And third, he is doing most of their ball carrying in possession and also pressing like a beast off possession. But and we know that Dortmund because... played a huge role in his development. We know yeah. that in Dortmund's system, he also thrived and he was a game changer for them. But in Real Madrid, it almost feels like he is in line to get the Ballon d'Or for some reason. Because right now he's unplayable. And if Real Madrid were to play Bayern Munich tomorrow, I would actually be very afraid. Oh, okay. that 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 goes without saying. That goes without saying yes. for me because we know what Tuchel's record is against any team that is even half decent. But the thing is that the way I see it, Bellingham is benefiting from a system at Real Madrid that extremely prioritizes the strength of the midfield over everything else. And in comparison, Leroy Sané is having to play through a Bayern Munich system, which almost actively holds him back, in my opinion, because it is oftentimes slow, oftentimes uncreative oftentimes does not get Sané the ball in the places that he should get them. Despite all of that, Sané manages to get through. So it comes down to, you know, who is 
doing more with what they have. And I would say it is very sunny. Yeah, I think another way to maybe phrase this would be uh, the player who is more important to their respective team. And if that's your argument, I would say, yes, you're right. I think Leroy Zane is more important right now for Bayern Munich than Bellingham is for Real Madrid, simply because if you remove Leroy Sané, we do not have the production and the X factor that we have on the pitch right now. We don't have a player who can decide games for us, and Tuchel will probably get sacked within two games, simply because Sané's goals are keeping us afloat, and his creation at the front of the pitch is bringing other players into the attack. But for me, still, I would say the most complete player in Europe right now who is dominating is Jude Bellingham. But yeah, most I think complete, Bayern, if you had I to think... make that argument, I can agree with Jude Bellingham. But I would say normally best goes to people in attack because of the attacker bias. And I would still say that would should go to Leroy Sané right now. He is genuinely unplayable even when he's not on form. Okay. I guess uh, I'm not going to agree with that, but uh, I guess okay. you have we a can good argument. Agree to, we can that. agree to yes. disagree. But agree to then disagree. Yes. let's talk about the other guy in the attack, which is pretty important because we've discussed all the other attackers that started. Why? What about Kane? What is going on with him? Because I know that we've talked about this before. We talked about it before in this podcast itself. He doesn't get many chances. He keeps dropping deep and he keeps trying to get the ball and he does not necessarily get involved as much as you would expect. So what is wrong with the way that Harry Kane plays and why is he not getting more chances? Is this a Tupel thing or is this a Kane thing? I think it's a bit of both. One, I think he's still adapting to the system because Spurs was a very different system, all things considered. Many games, they used to just sit back. They sit back against Man City, Man United, Arsenal, any team that has a hair of quality over Spurs, which are which is basically a lot of teams. And uh, they just have to wait for Kane or uh, Son or someone else in the attack to produce something out of nothing. And Kane is usually at the center of everything Spurs creates. So he's either the person making the pass or the hockey assist or the person who makes a run behind the front line or the person who gets fouled in the box. So pretty much the entire attack functioned through him. In Bayern Munich, it's kind of different because you have so many attackers who can fashion chances out of nothing and so many players who can also finish on their day. So it's more like Kane is not really the focus anymore. He's not the focal point of the attack. I would say it's more spread out. And you have players like Muziala who are more willing to take shots than just to make the pass. Muziala can shoot from long range, as we saw in the game against... He, he did score against Leipzig, right? Uh, uh, did he? Yeah, he did. No, wait. No, that was and Sané. That was Sané. Copenhagen. I'm sorry. Yeah, Copenhagen. the game against Copenhagen, he scored a long ranger. Yeah, that was really yeah. nice. So he's more confident with scoring and he can also pass. We saw the same with Leroy Sané. Amazing goal scorer, great passer. So Harry Kane is not really the player anymore. And I think he needs to come to terms with that. And I also think Bayern play a much faster, okay, not right now, but generally tend to play a faster pace of football than Tottenham. So maybe Kane just needs to get used to the gigan pressing, the Bayern style of play, the positioning and the attacking formations that Bayern employ. But also, Tuchel ball isn't great. I don't think Kane is getting good instructions on how, and not just Kane, I think the rest of the attack as well, on how to utilize Kane to the best of their abilities. Because it seems like Kane is always somehow out of sync with the other players. And I don't think you can put that up to only a player 
problem. It's probably also something to do with the coaching. Because I feel, so Nagelsmann made Chupa Moting a fantastic striker because of the system. They created, and Chupa Moting was always there to slot the, slot the goal home. There was a time in the season when he was the leading goal scorer. And now Kane, who is one of the world's best strikers, is struggling with goal scoring. And not just with goal scoring, really. He's been out of sync with the rest of the attack. And I think some of it is on the coach. But I'd like to hear what you think as well. I just I just wonder what the idea is for Harry Kane. Because today, Tuchel had him drop very deep. And I just saw a post-match quote posted yes. at Aimee Senmia, where he said that this was completely deliberate. They wanted him dropping deep so others could go forward. Which kind of does not make sense for your striker no. to do. Shouldn't the striker be on the end of the goal? And that is what kind of gets me about Harry Kane's entire thing. He always seems to be playing as a facilitator. He seems to want to facilitate things. But Bayern Munich has so many other players who can do that. We have Kimmich, we have Muller, we have Muziala, we have Sané, we have Coman. So many other players who can do that. The, we need Kane to be the guy that slots them home. And he can be that guy, but he doesn't seem to be focusing on that. And because of that lack of focus, it seems to go against his overall game plan. As in, if you think about someone like Lewandowski, he was always asking for the ball and he was always moving into positions that would make sure that he had the highest chance to score. Kane is somehow playing both sides. He's trying to move into positions that maybe don't have the highest chance of him scoring, but possibly let a teammate score by him getting a layoff. That is shown by the number of assists he already has this season. On the other hand, it think... does affect if it affects his goal scoring because he's never really positioned correctly to take advantage of what being a number nine does at Bayern Munich. It's just like it, it kind of needs to come down to a philosophical question. And you said that maybe he needs to adjust to Bayern Munich, and I kind of agreed about that. If you remember Robert Lewandowski's opening season in the Bundesliga for Bayern Munich. He was very much, um, how, how should I phrase this? He wasn't bad, but he was underwhelming. In many ways, Lewandowski, he was signed as a huge superstar. Striding people thought that he would break goal records in and buy Munich that season. However, he came in and he did not have anywhere near as good a season as he had at Dortmund before. And him benching Mandzukic was even quite controversial at the time because... It wasn't felt that Lewandowski was doing anything better than Mandzukic. So Lewandowski had to take a lot of time to really get into the striker system at Bayern Munich and understand how it works so that he could really start scoring from the second season onwards. I think Kane is stuck in that adjustment period a little and he's not really altered his game enough to really slot in and be the guy that Bayern Munich needs him to be rather than the guy he is used to being. I yes. don't... Think I think I agree with that. Yeah, I don't think he's a bad player, I, and I don't even think he's been having no, he's bad not. performances. It's just that the performances need to be different, if that makes any sense. Yes, yeah. So uh, Lewandowski, like you said, he took some time to make the adjustment, and then with the passage of time, he did become the world's best player at some point, and also just super consistent, the player you can always look up to whenever you need goals. And with Kane, I think right now, I mean, yes, there is an adjustment phase as well. Do you also think the fact that he always has to make a decision between being the provider and the goal scorer is also causing? I, I think him to yes. Hesitate? I think it genuinely right? is slowing. Is not only slowing him down; it's causing him to be positioned improperly. Like there was a yes. there was a moment in what was it the 
game against Copenhagen, which I remember very distinctly, where yes. I, I don't know, I think it was Limer who had the ball and Limer cut inside and Kane, who had given him the ball, he went out wide to facilitate Limer, which is the complete backwards of what you want to happen. You want your striker in the box. How often do we see the ball in the box, but Kane nowhere near it? That is something that Kane needs to think about. He needs to be... He needs to be basically more selfish is what I'm saying. He needs to figure out that his teammates are there to assist him rather than the other way around. And maybe he also needs to communicate it to them on the pitch that he needs service. Like Lewandowski was very hungry and he was openly hungry. And he used to get mad when players used to make errant passes, which was something that was super prone to happening when Gnabry and Coman were around because they used to always pass to the bylines. And Every time there was an errant pass, which could have been a good cross, he used to get frustrated. And you saw how happy he was in that treble winning season when Davies was giving him production. He was extremely happy because both in the game against Chelsea and in the games against Barcelona, I mean, every single game, Davies was always really good with the crossing. And I think Kimish was also providing a lot of service to Lewandowski. So that was a time when he was very, very happy about everything. And that's why he won the treble, basically, because Lewandowski was unplayable and the rest of the team was just fantastic but right now Harry Kane he is adjusting but also I think he needs to be more selfish and more hungry and be open about it the rest of the team needs to know that they are here to put the ball on a platter for Harry Kane to finish because he is an elite finisher he created goals out of nothing for Tottenham side that would be the relegation fodder without him so he's at the world's best club and I think he and the rest of his Teammates need to realize that and sort of figure out a system that uses his gifts to the fullest potential. It's funny you mentioned Tottenham because they happen to be top of the league without him. Um, right now. <laughs> right now. I, I know it's it right time. now. I mean, obviously, Tottenham are not going to stay top of the league. I mean, come on. That's it would like be beautiful if they went out. I think for the listen, Bundesliga. The amount, yes. the, amount of, the amount of slander we would get if Tottenham won the league after... We signed Harry Kane. That would be like, I, I I don't even want to talk about it, okay? Because it was already bad enough after the Super Cup. People kept saying that Kane took the Spurs with him. Now, if they happen to win the league after that, it would be just, I, I don't even want to entertain that idea, to be perfectly honest with you. No, I, I think it, it might be good in a, why? in a sort of, yeah, because because number one, we can make the argument that the Premier League is falling in quality because the team like Spurs just... No, what, that argument is never going to stick. Why not? Because the Premier League has already dominated the argument in that regard. If you make the argument, if you make that argument, they're just going to say that you are salty because you took Harry Kane and you did not like, and the team only got better after that. But, but we just beat them 7-2 two years ago, so... I think that, that must was, still be fresh in their memories. Actually, right? actually, that was that was four years ago in 2019. Okay, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. That was Niko, Ko- Niko Kovac was in charge. Wasn't remember? it the trouble winning season? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, three years. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's been no, four years. Still, it's been four years, my friend. It, 2019 was it in the, group stage. Okay, towards the Kovac end. Kovac was in charge. Yes. Okay. Okay. Kovac okay, was in charge. My goodness. Wow. Yeah. That's. That is insane. Schnitzel, yeah, my yeah. friend, okay. you have, you, you are tired. I can tell. Oh my God. Um, time, yeah. Time, uh, time is uh, not a functional concept in my mind anymore. Everything is just, you know, mix, getting mixed up. 
I believe uh, we should just head to the next topic of discussion before I completely pass out. Yeah, we should take actually a short break because our Zoom meeting is about to end. So yeah, um, I don't know. I I might put a ad here, ad break here. Please listen to it. Otherwise, we don't get any money or whatever. Um, we will, <laughs> we will, we will be back. So we will be back. Okay. So we won't even please get to know if we actually get money because uh, I think all of it goes into Chuck's wallet. So. Yeah, Chuck is is doing nefarious things with the money at the moment. Just just give it a minute. We are underpaid. It's just saying. And we are back. Okay, Schnitzel. So, given that what we've discussed so far, would you say that the game against Freiburg was a good performance? Definitely. We didn't concede okay. any goals, and we scored three. Good performance. Okay. Now, if he, Thomas Tuchel were to manage, let's say more performances in this same vein, would you be in favor of him staying on? If we continue to win games convincingly, yes. If we barely scrape past relegation teams and keep drawing to any team worth their while, then uh, I would want him gone as soon as possible. So what I'm basically asking here is, do you think the performance against Freiburg that we managed to pull off, would it work against a team like, say, Man City or Real Madrid? No. Okay. So, therefore, do you think that Thomas Tuchel can improve the team in time to face those? Or do you think this Freiburg game is about as good as it gets? Honestly, the Champions League performances so far, they haven't been against the top tier of European opposition. It's Man United and Copenhagen. And they're teams that we should have beaten convincingly and we did not. We barely scraped past both teams. And the Man United game was really frustrating because... We were dominating for a large period and then we just conceded some dumb goals and we ended up barely managing to win against them. And the Copenhagen game, we were going to lose and we barely managed to win. So not very convincing at all from a Champions League perspective. And if that is how the UCL performances are going to continue, then I would want Tuchel gone before October because I don't want to wait till we get a team like, I mean, even Arsenal. Imagine losing to Arsenal. After all oh. those years of banter and, you know, criticizing that team, like we would have to go hide in a hole and never resurface as Bayern fans, like for forever, I think. And it's going to be really difficult for me as an Arsenal fan to hear the Arsenal supporters slander Bayern, because for me, Bayern is always number one and it would really suck, basically. So I don't want to wait long enough for something like that to happen. So... If it means Tuchel leaves and we mitigate the catastrophe, get someone else who is more capable, then sure. But right now, what are the other options? Who would we rather have? Do you really think Hansi Flick would recreate what we saw him do previously after his recent performances with German German national team? Yeah, sure. Why not? He was really poor with the German national team. And I feel like maybe... Uh, Hermann Gerland and the other people like Miroslav Kloza, they well, might bring, also we can bring them back. Can we though? They're yeah, also employed by the German national team. So they, they haven't sacked. resigned their jobs. They got we can sacked as well. Them. Yeah. Hansi Flick was sacked along with his technical staff. So yeah. I think they're still employed, but I'm not sure. Maybe Doesn't you're matter. right. Look, the AP owes us. We, we, we can do it. We can do it if we need to. Okay, if we can Hermann get, Gerland is a behind the man lot. through and through. Honestly, yeah. if we can get the whole lot from the treble winning season, I would be for that. I would okay. be all in. Because I believe Herman Gerland was actually underrated for what he did that season for the team. And I also think Miroslav Kloza really improved 
all of our attackers, especially Zane. He played a very pivotal role in their finishing and uh, uh, the rest of the team as well. And if you remember, they introduced a lot of drills, like with Kingsley Coman and his heading ability probably contributed to the Champions League winning goal against PSG. And uh, so many other drills that he brought in to improve the team. And I think if you get that, that exact same setup from back then, it's quite possible that I would be inclined to sacking Tuchel ASAP and getting Flick in. But then again, it's a lot of ifs, buts. So it has to okay. pan out exactly in that fashion. So in that I case, think right now, yeah. In that case, let's talk about something more concrete. What do you think Tuchel can do to improve on this game we saw against Freiburg? Specific things, not general things like improve the defense or the midfield. Just specific no, I won't say ideas. That. Come on. Number one, give the team a clear game plan. Okay, Just what does that mean? Them... Specific. What what game plan do you want? If you're asking me what I want, that's quite different. But if, if you're asking me what I want, I want to see more direct play in the sense that the passing does not have to be so complicated. Do not pass to the back line each time. Try and fashion chances through the center of the pitch. Use the center more and play more directly. Utilize players like Thomas Wheeler and Jamal Muziala more and enable them to occupy half spaces. We saw with Nagelsmann's buy-in that half space football can be super beneficial to the club and is something that improved every single player in the attack bar Sadio Mane because he was Sadio Mane. But Zane was excellent. And if you utilize Sane and Buziala as half space winger playmakers, I think that could mean a lot more space for Thomas Müller down the middle, which would be my ideal setup. I would want Coman benched, Muziala and Sane flanking Müller, and up front Harry Kane, who could function as a playmaker, striker, which we have seen him do in the, in the past. So more direct setup. Uh, number two, playing more gig and pressing football. The team looks way more passive than I've ever seen it in a very long time. I think since Hansi Flick, uh, we have not seen, you know, any, we have not seen the same intensity under Tuchel uh, that we saw under Flick or Nagelsmann. So I would want to see more gig and pressing. So uh, and a more intense counter press, at least till we dominate the teams and score a few more goals. And then maybe we can turn down the gas like Nagelsmann's Bayern used to do to conserve energy for the next game instead of just playing so passively and with no intent. And number three, probably just start the right players. Give Daniel Peretz a chance. What has the man done to be signed and be one of the best prospects right now to being eternally benched in favor of Sven Ulreich? Ben, uh, when Daniel Peretz should also get his opportunity. It's the same with Matthias Delict, Nuzair Mazraoui, who I want to see start more games. We're just not getting to see the best players start for Bayern. I have never seen the champagne Levin of Bayern start together this season, and that is concerning. I want to see Muziala, Thomas Müller, Sané, Kane, Kimish, Goretzka, Mazraoui, Davies, Delict, Upamakano, all of them start together on the pitch at the same time, like once. See how that functions. You would I bench Kim? That was specific enough. I would bench Kim just to see how Delict and Upamakano play out. Hmm, I, I feel like Tuchel has short memory. If he followed Bayern the previous season, he would have seen just how immense Delict was from day one till the day he, we got eliminated from the Champions League. He was consistently one of our best performers just because he slumped in a few games. I mean, in the game against Leipzig in the DFL Super Cup, maybe he did not have his best game. Just because a couple of games he did not show his best doesn't mean that he deserves to be forgotten. 
I well, don't see any reason why Kim is better than Delict. Could you mm -hmm. justify his inclusion ahead of an informed Delict? Well, that's the point with Delict because we don't know if he's informed. And the second thing is that Kim, he was quite good against Freiburg, to be honest. I thought that he kept things extremely tidy at the back. And there were moments like where Freiburg did eventually get to the box. And in those cases, it wasn't Upamecano, but Kim, who actually marshaled the defense and got them, well, prevented anything getting to Sven Ulreich. So I think right now yeah. it's very much a difficult choice between Kim and Delict. I think Upamecano is... I think it's okay is... if Kim starts. It's not the, it's not the worst. It's, it's not yeah. the most important of what I... Well, uh, I yeah. guess what I want is probably the least important in, in my list, but definitely more Mazraoui instead of Lima. Yes, yes. Right that is I the important that. part. And I think the one important part that you did mention is Muziala and Muller together in the pitch. I don't exactly. understand why Tuchel seems to be so afraid of putting them together. It's, it's almost like yes. it's almost like 2019 all over again, where Kovac says that, remember he used to say that Coutinho and Muller are not in competition with each other, but then he always kept on subbing Coutinho for Muller or Muller for Coutinho. Exactly. He never had them on the pitch yes. together. When exactly. fans maybe had the idea that they could definitely work on the pitch together. In the end, Coutinho did not work out for us, but I don't see why Muziala can't go back to the wing when it is the position where he broke through in the first place at Bayern Munich. And I would argue that he is doing better on the wing than Coman right now, even though Coman just had this two-goal game against Freiburg. I would say that Muziala, if he had played from the start, that would have allowed a lot, a, a much better performance overall from Bayern Munich than what we saw. And I think that is where Tuchel is leaving some performance on the table. I think that is the exact space where he can improve the team. And I don't know what's going through his head, keeping him from doing this. I agree. I agree. I don't I don't know why Thomas Müller and Jamal Muziala cannot function together, as we've seen them numerous times in the past. I think Muziala plays a notch better when Thomas Müller is on the pitch. He His that's, game just improves. That's just normal because... for every player. When Muller is on the pitch, that's normal for every player. But 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 the, the thing with Muziala is usually when he plays in the middle, he tends to take a, a dribble too many and he loses the ball. And this is not this is not something that's super common, but it does happen. And if Muller is in the middle, it clear it gives Muziala a well defined role, so he can be more creative. He can drift into the half spaces. He can play as a winger. He has so much more freedom as opposed to him being in the middle and being suffocated. Thomas Miller takes all of the attention away and Muziela can work his magic on the wing, which we've seen him do countless times in the past. And it also helps the, uh, to have a good relationship with Davies on the wing because him and Davies also combine pretty well. So everything points to Thomas Miller and Muziela starting together and that is something that Tuchel just doesn't like to see on the pitch, which is very frustrating. But I hope he sees the potential in all these combinations because we have seen this in the past. There already is a blueprint. There always is for Bayern coaches. They don't have to revolutionize or change anything drastically. You just do what works. You just follow it and you win games. You have the world's, one of the world's best teams at your disposal. You don't have to change or revolutionize anything. Sometimes it's as simple as playing a few players together and you just get results. I guess I have to agree. I can't really disagree with that. I just think that Maybe when we got to go, we were hoping for a little bit more than that. But right now, I will take more games like this Freiburg game because I thought that it was 
not only was it dominant, it also was a step in the right direction in terms of our intensity, in terms of our pressing, because I think this was the first game of the season where we had less than 10 seconds to win the ball back. Most games, we are up as high as 12, 30 seconds to win the ball back after losing it. This game, we were down as low as nine, which is a stat that they share during the games itself. So you have to watch it for for that. But I think that it's telling. And I think it's very telling that it happened with a certain type of setup with certain players in certain positions. For example, I'm not even going to mention Thomas, but for example, Nusser Madzraoui effectively playing as a midfielder while being a right back. That was very noticeable and something we've mentioned on this podcast before that Bayern Munich needs to make sure its midfield looks better because Kimmich and Goretzka much more comfortable today than they were against, well, not Goretzka necessarily, but at least Kimmich was much more comfortable today than he was against Copenhagen. Yes, I agree. I agree as well. Yeah. I think I think the game against Freiburg did give us quite a lot of positives to talk about. And like you mentioned, even if it's not a drastic change in performance, like I don't want some magic to happen. This Freiburg game is satisfactory. And I'm sure the quality of opposition will increase as we go to the business end of the season. But this is a good start. And if we can build on this performance, maybe Tuchel retains his job past October. Well, I think that Tuchel is going to retain his job past October because, as you might know, it is now the international break. This Bayern Munich are now breaking for about two weeks and we are not going to have to talk about Bayern Munich. So why don't we actually take this as an opportunity to move on to our next topic, which is... The national team has a new coach, German national team. Julian Nagelsmann is in charge. And have you seen his call-up list? I have. And what do you think would... about the highlights? Number one, Thilo Kehrer is not in the list. Huge win already. I think. I don't think. I don't think Hansi to... was calling up Thilo Kehrer by the end. No, he called him quite a few times. Yeah, he and... quite a few times, but not the end. And wasn't he also in the World Cup? Oh, he. Everyone was at the World Cup. Exactly, but Thilo Kerr had no business being in the World Cup squad. Okay, so, give me, give me, give me positive. I think Schnitzel, don't um, give me negative. I, I like Matt's Hummel's inclusion yes. because very, we've very been, good role model. We've been asking leader. for this, haven't we? Exactly. Uh, I think he was fantastic for Dortmund at various parts of last season, and a lot of people say he's washed. But look at the IQ he brings, the footballing IQ, the passing range, the ability, and also the leadership. Something that the defense doesn't really have at the moment. We thought Niklas Zula would be a rock for Germany, but he's not not really lock, rock, more like a pebble. And uh, Antonio Rüdiger, he is hot-headed, and I don't think he has what it takes in him to be a true true leader for the backline. I think Mats Hummels is composed, exudes leadership, and very calm in possession, uh, a defender that everyone can learn from. So not just for his qualities, but also for what he brings uh, to the tables that other defenders can learn from. I think the midfield has some really nice selections. I'm very, very happy with Robert Andrich getting recognition yes. because he's a very good DM and he's a true no-nonsense DM. He will tackle you if he thinks you... Uh, he's, he's kind of like a German Casemiro, if that makes sense. Like I think he's very no-nonsense, but he also can take free kicks, unlike Casemiro, like, to devastating effect. And he has a very, very good engine. So he runs relentlessly, barely gets tired, and plays excellent football. So very happy of his inclusion. I think we have some really nice uh, attacking options. Florian Wirtz uh, was bound to get picked consistently at some point, and I'm happy to see him. We almost know how the midfield is going to look. 
if the big games come by. I think he's going to utilize the core of Bayern's squad simply because he knows that Kimmich is a huge supporter of him. And also, how can you play a German team without Kimmich in it? So I think Kimmich and Goretzka and I think Gundogan as well start in a three-man midfield in his setup usually. And I would like to actually see Florian Wirtz and uh, Jamal Muziala combine because I think those two have tremendous potential together as a duo. And I'm also happy with Kevin Bechren's inclusion because he's a true number nine. And he has gone largely under the radar simply because I think Germany sucks at producing strikers right now. And almost everyone that looked promising has not been good enough. So we have been sort of we've resorted to picking up the more older senior players like Niklas Fulkrug and Kevin Behrens, I suppose. Kai Havertz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right I know. Let's, let's, uh, but, he, but, he, I, I hear that he assisted the goal that allowed Arsenal to beat Man City today. Okay, well, uh, I'm just saying that he can have his bright moments. See, we all know his potential, right? We all know yeah. the player he can be. He was tutored to be Thomas Muller's successor. And I actually, there was a, there was a time when I, I have even written an article on why Bayern should sign him to replace Thomas Muller, right? And like eventually. And the thing is, at the time of writing, and even now, I'm really confident in his abilities as a playmaker. But the problem is in Chelsea, he was not properly utilized. And obviously, Frank Lampard is clueless and he did not know what to do with the player at all ended up playing him as a sole number nine, which is the most miserable use of Kai Havertz, is pretty much like what you would see if Thomas Miller is used as a sole striker. So No, it's, it's, oh, come it's on. Really it's not sad. that bad. No, I'm, I'm not I'm not what? saying that it's... Uh, Thomas Miller is, is poor. I'm just saying that Kai Havertz should not be used as a striker for the same reason yeah. Thomas Miller should not be used as a striker. That's they fair. are free-roaming attacking midfielders. And... You, you just don't do that mistake. So mm-hmm. I believe Kai Havertz can be good for Germany, you know. Just not as a striker. The rest of the attack, just not as a striker, exactly. So maybe as a free-roaming playmaker, I think he can combine really well with Kevin Behrens or with Thomas Miller if they have enough support. Imagine imagine Nagelsmann goes back to his uh, favorite 4-2-2-2 lineup that we saw from earlier in uh, last season. If he played... Wurtz and Muziala through the middle together, right, as a tandem duo. And Thomas Miller and Kai Havertz as half-space playmakers. Or maybe even Leroy Zane and uh, Thomas Miller. I think that carries a lot of potential because the strikers, they all suck. So I would much rather see the best quality on the pitch than seeing something that just doesn't work. What do you okay. think? Um, yeah. I have to talk about this because, first of all, I would genuinely just go with a 4-2-3-1. I don't think we should over, or at least Nagelsmann should overthink it, and certainly not use a back three. Oh my goodness. I, I don't know what yeah. that is all about, but I I have to ask something, because I have been looking at, staring at this lineup graphic for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Nagelsmann has called up a true right back. I think he's going to play Niklas Zula at right back. Is he? Yes. Do you think, do you think he would play Zula there, or... I think, would you play I think he would Kimmich play Zula there? there simply. I think he'll play Zula there simply because he's already played Niklas Zula there in the past. Has he? That he has. That didn't. That didn't. I I thought uh, that didn't last long, did it? No, I don't think so. I mean, 
wait when it was did, when it did happen oh wait no he wasn't even no, he wasn't there he wasn't there it was flick it was flick who was in charge back then oh it was flick yeah I, anyways yeah during flick i think we saw how good he can be at right back we saw the skill he has and we saw that he's able to dribble up the pitch as well but it was yes. very short lived unfortunately Solinio. maybe maybe that can that could have convinced nagelsman that he can be a good right back because i know that david raum is definitely playing as full back as well yeah and he can he can ace that role at left back but at the right back do you think robin gozens gets gets a start at full back uh i think it's between raum and gozens at left back to be honest and i think and i think raum is ahead 100% we saw just how good he was at leipzig he was running circles around konrad leimer that was to be fair even I rashford think one of the was doing matchups that. <laughs> that is true that is very true um david raum would probably start but I think Nagelsmann might. But we know that Raum can play both as a left and a right back. He is he is he's dual footed. So I think it would be either Raum at right back, or if Nagelsmann really wants to go ahead with Zula at right back, I wouldn't be you know too upset because we have, have seen a, Zula's potential. I have a feeling that Nagelsmann is going to go with a back three, and you Not know cares. why? Because oh, okay. I, I I think that he's going to go with a back three because Matzhaus is kind of slow. So I think he's going to use Hummels in the middle of a back three as essentially an anchor for because of how good Hummels is passing and general build-up play is. So he might be used as in the middle of a back three with Rudiger and Sula behind him who are quite fast and physical. And then maybe David Raum on the left and on or Robin Gosens, whichever one, because we know that Gosens can't function in the back four. We know that he needs no. a back three, otherwise it doesn't yeah. work. And on the right, I think there may be Joshua Kimmich. If not him, then maybe Jonas Hoffman as the right back or right wing back, no. really, in that case. Um, no, I think, and... I, I think Nagelsmann values Kimmich enough in midfield not to play him as a right back. I'm sure I of it. I think we that will, Nagelsmann... We will not see right back Kimmich. I, I don't think we should rule it out. And another thing we shouldn't rule it. out, I think another thing we shouldn't rule out is the idea that Ilkay Gundogan and Leon Goretzka will be in the middle. And Kimmich at right back? Yes. And effectively, that is since Kimmich, when the way he interprets the right back role is effectively as an inverted right back, as a midfielder, I don't think he will be upset about that role, personally. I definitely think he would not be as happy playing it as being a midfielder for sure and i think that also factors into nagelsmann's decision making because kimmich is going to be the leader of germany and Bayern going forward and you know you don't want kimmich on the wrong side and right now nagelsmann is in a great position because he has most of the Bayern core backing him so that's working in his favor and i would say kimmich honestly i i understand why it's a possibility and it could happen but i firmly believe kimmich is going to start in midfield i think so if i were nagelsman i would use mats hummels as a defensive midfielder and not as a defender i would Isn't use him he as a, a six. bit slow but he is so good but his his timing is what it's all about i'm sure he can tackle very right very 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 slow a, like he was slow even now. like 5 years ago when he was a Bayern. now he is like oh boy that was the reason that Flick never did call him up because in Flick's system, or whatever you could call the ghost of Flick's system, uh, you can't really have slow defenders. And Bayern Munich has moved on from that type of defender as well. So it would be interesting I, for me to see how Mats Hummels copes with an Nagelsmann system. 
didn't weren't you one of the people who but i'm not sure correct me if i'm wrong weren't you one of the uh, people who said that you would like to see delict as a dm yes how is that any different well delict is a little bit faster than tumbles you know and <laughs> a little also bit faster. a little okay. bit faster <laughs> a little bit faster and and to be fair okay. javi martinez was also not particularly fast but i just think that delict has a, a that D destroyer dm style profile that would be very good for Bayern Munich. For Germany, the entire equation is completely changed because Germany don't have an established midfield setup. They don't have an established right back, left back. They don't have a proper striker. They have a lot of quality. These are all quality names. There are multiple Champions League winners on this list that I'm talking about here. It is the only problem here is that it's very difficult to see how Nagelsmann is going to put all of this together and make it into a functioning system. Based on that, I am actually going to say that there is a decent chance Germany might lose to the United States. Okay, okay. So is that your prediction or do you think it might happen? I'm going to say it might Those happen. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to say, look, I, I don't think that it's going to lose to the United States because that would be, like, look, if Nagelsmann starts with a loss to yeah, the yeah. United States, that would be the most banter way yeah. to start ever that would be the and, most humiliating start to a career i think yeah it would be it would team. be like signing um a 100 million striker from tottenham and then losing 3-0 to leipzig on your first day it, it would be that level of humiliation you know <laughs> um good thing good yeah. thing it would be things like that this would happen, be extremely but... this would have been i guess uh, funnier if that had not actually happened so the know, problem is that, that it's very it's it's not impossible you know, the problem is that yeah, it's, it's genuinely, not. that's the thing, right? It, we talk about Nagelsmann in very positive tones. And I do rate Julian Nagelsmann. People do forget that, that I wanted him as Bayern Munich coach in the first place. And I wanted him as DFB coach no, because I think that he can do good. But the problem is did, that... Didn't you want him to leave though? I also wanted him to At leave, that but that's only after yeah. he started, you know, Nagelsmanning over our entire system. But the thing is, like... He has his issues. He's not perfect. And despite the fact that I think that at this moment in time, Germany effectively have the most tactically capable coach in the international Agreed. circuit. Agree. Yes. Despite yeah, yeah. that, and despite the fact that Germany have an excellent squad in terms of at least names and achievements, because when you have a team that is composed of, let's say, just look at it from top to bottom. You have Thomas Muller, champ multiple Champions League winner, World Cup winner, Kai Havertz, Champions League winner, Nicholas Fulkrug. Uh, let's move on. Kevin, Ber uh, and let's not talk about that. <laughs> let's not talk about that. Okay. Jamal Musiala, Champions League winner, should have won the Golden Boy. Joshua Kimmich, Champions League winner. Jonas Hoffman, um, he's beaten Bayern a few times as with the Gladbach team. Ilkay <laughs> Gunnar, champ yeah, Champions yeah. League winner. Uh, Leon Goretzka, yes, Champions yeah. League winner. Julian Brandt, let's not talk about him. Um, we get the Nicholas, idea. Nicholas Sul, yes. Champions yeah. League winner. Antonio Rudiger, Champions League winner. Uh, Matt Hummels, Big Champions games. League winner. Mark Andre Ter Stegen, Champions League winner. So when you have yeah. players like this, you should expect a certain level of performance. And that is up to Nagelsmann to figure out. I think it is not a good sign that there is no obvious starting 11 that you can make from this. It does give Nagelsmann a certain amount of options, but I also think that it might make it difficult for him to he might fall into the same trap that Flick fell into, which is constantly experimenting and never really building anything, if that makes yes, sense. Yes, I think 
I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I think he should also have a clear-cut starting 11 that he can turn to when they're playing big games. And there are some points when you just cannot experiment. So I think for those situations, he needs a champagne 11 and he cannot... Like, I, I think Flick was experimenting during the World Cup, which was oh, really yes. frustrating. That is not a time when you experiment. You already have an established starting 11. And that's when you make the changes only during the substitutions of the bench. It's not when you have an important game in line, right? But yeah, now it was it's, one it's, of it's those... Just... Like, there was an yeah. absolutely shocking stat where it was like for that Hansi Flick effectively used a different backline in every single one of his games for exactly. in charge of Germany. So that man. level, that level of... But it kind of also goes back to Germany. Like, it, there is no obvious way to get this group of players playing together well. Because you think about it, what kind of a midfield would... mid Like... Okay, you want Yokai Gundogan and Joshua Kevick and Leon Goretzka and Jamal Muziala and Florian Wirtz and Thomas Muller ideally on the pitch if you want to maximize the amount of talent. But what kind of setup uses all of them at the same time? Same thing That's goes true. for like the defense. You, If you want your best defenders on, you want Rudiger, you want Sula, you want Mats Humboldt, you ideally want T.O. as well. And you don't want any of the fullbacks really, except maybe David Rum. But what kind of setup uses like four center backs and a left back? It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's I, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's I, just one of those things, you know. So it's a balance. So he yeah. needs to find the balance between having as much quality as possible and ensuring at the same time that the team has a decent setup that will function stably. And by that, I mean just start with the back four, mm-hmm. which is a good start already. I think having ideally Raum and Sula as left and right backs. Please leave Kimmich in midfield and stick to two centre-backs, and this could be any combination from the rest of the players, but I think we will most probably see Rudiger at the centre-back position. By the way, Theo is a good shout. He plays for Theo AC Milan. Is, He's a yeah, very he good is player. good. He is, yeah. and he was one of the few players that was good in the last international break, which is... Exactly. Oh so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a start, but uh, I'm not sure if he will. But because you don't, you don't call up Hummels not to play him, right? Exactly, exactly. So that's it felt too too radical to be omitted, you know, on the bench. With the midfield, I think I would like to see Andres start as a six because finally we have a decent DM and not like Emery Chan or someone else. And in front of Andres, I would like to see Kemish and I'm not sure if it's going to be Goretzka or Gundogan, in all honesty. I'm I'm kind of over the fence on that one. And up front any combination of Sané, Muziala, Wurtz, Müller, Havertz, maybe Jonas Hoffman. Yeah. You Would forgot a striker. Any combination of this. Are you talking about Kevin Behrens or Fulkrug? Yes. Because I think Germany is better suited not playing either player. I'm going to say that Germany would be better off sacrificing a little bit of the winger slash midfield talent to keep a striker on the pitch. Because that was the major mistake Flick made in the World Cup. He thought that he could get in the away World with Cup, having... yes. But Fulkrug has fallen from grace since then. And he is actually a very poor player. Like, you did not want him at Bayern. I did not want him at Bayern. But Bayern Munich have much better options. Because we have Chupa Moting already. And let me just say this. That Chupa Moting... Like he was Didn't born you say in Chuba Germany. Is but... better? Yeah, he is better. Yeah, and why look, would if Moting, listen, if Chupa Moting were look, Chupa Moting, if he were actually still naturalized to Germany and he were eligible, which he he's born in Germany, he could 
easily have played for the German national team, he would be on this list of call-ups for um, Germany, and he would be a nailed-on starter, in my opinion, because he would be much better than these options. But that doesn't mean that you should not have a true striker on the pitch. I would actually go the back four, more or less as you said it, but in fact, I would even go with David Raum, Antonio Rudiger, um, Matt Hummels, and Joshua Kimmich. And then I would go with the midfield two of Leon Goretzka and Elkai Gunawan. And in front of them, I would go with Jamal Muziala, Leroy Sane on the wings, Thomas Muller in the middle, and Niklas Fulkrug or Kevin Behrens. I would say Fulkrug because I have seen him more often mm-hmm. up top. And that leaves a lot of talent on the bench, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because we have seen that subs from the bench can give you a lot of flexibility in terms of turning the game around. You can have a game where you are bringing on guys like Florian Wirtz or Kai Havertz or, for example, who else? Really just Florian Wirtz and Kai Havertz. I, I don't see anyone else <laughs> being worth something in on this like you're not you're not subbing in Julian Brandt. I'm sorry. Okay, so yeah. you sub those guys in, and I I think that's that's a good liner. That's genuinely a setup that can get results. Now the question I is, so I, I I the question is whether Nagelsmann will go with something like that. But I can genuinely see he can going with a back three, and if he starts with that, it's gonna take a lot of tweaking because back threes these guys don't play in a back three. They're gonna need time to adjust, and I don't know if he has that time. Euros are coming very soon and that was the entire crux of the argument against Nagelsmann the idea that he needs time to implement his ideas and he wants to experiment and Germany genuinely need a person that can just fix everything in one go <sighs> that's a that's a very I think I think that's a that's a fair lineup I just think that uh well it remains to be seen if full crew would actually be a good choice that's the only yeah, that's... thing I'm concerned about really. he, he yeah. plays well for Germany to be fair He's just, I, I don't know if he's a good finisher. He's just so slow. And I mean, just to be fair, a striker doesn't these... need to be fast. He just needs to be there. And Fulkrug is there quite often. Hmm. But we'll have to see. I mean, it'll, it'll also be interesting which player will be sacrificed and which player would be, you know, played instead. I, I can see some very frustrating moments coming up in terms of Germany's lineup selection because all German I coaches so are too. the same in that regard. They always do that, every, every single one. But but I guess I can take solace in the fact that hopefully Nagelsmann is younger than the others and maybe he doesn't make the same mistakes as, you know, his older He, he might make only once. Yeah. I mean, did, did anyone oh. expect Flick to burn out the way he did? He didn't, no one did? No, no, no. Yeah, so... But, but yeah. maybe that is exactly why Nagelsmann might be a hit. Maybe. I think nobody's maybe expecting not. him to... Make Germany a total dominating beast because Is, I think aren't, aren't they? I think we have been smashed to the ground. German German national team fans have been smashed. They they have no hope anymore. It's like we are at rock bottom right now. And anything, even a quarterfinal finish in the Euros would be. Something I think it could celebrate. still get worse. You know, I think Germany could still find a shovel and start digging. Like out of if the Nagelsmann... group stage of the Euros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with zero wins, something bad. like that. Wow. It could be really okay, that okay. bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's, I let's think. Try to end I positively. Think, yeah, I think. Okay, end positively. What? What positive? What is your positive thought of the week? Uh, we beat Freiburg three 0 Kept a clean sheet. Okay, my positive yeah. thought of the week is that. Uh, uh, 
Oh God, I, I can't okay, think of anything positive. I, 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 Thank I'm you for listening I... to the podcast, guys. Uh, feel free to like, rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast on any platform of your choice, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anything. And please make sure to keep your feedback coming. Uh, thank you so much for listening once again. This is Schnitzel and I need no name signing off. Vielen Dank und auf Wiedersehen. Good night.